0: Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that last week, even though we saw Jonah ran from you, we know that Jonah ran back to you. And you got him uh, from where he was. You never... Uh, lost sight of him, you never for one second knew uh, or did not know where he was, and the same is true for us, Lord. Many times we run from your presence, we think, but God, what a blessing it is to know that all the chastisement is is painful at times. sometimes we are uh, we uh, do not want to be punished, we don 't want to be uh, run after somebody run after us we don't want you to come after us but we're so thankful when you do and we're thankful that you bring us back and uh, Lord in the uh, in the days of our rebellion uh, God we thought we were king we thought we were calling the shots <laughs> but uh, we know that uh, we had to serve a master and that master was our flesh and the master was the devil and he is a hard task master We thank you, God, for being our wonderful Savior. And we get to serve you. And, uh, Lord, we are your children. We are your servants. Help us to submit to you today. Help us to be completely surrendered in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. The theme of Jonah is the God of the Hebrews has concern for the whole world. You might not know it, but Jonah is a great missionary book. It's a great mission theme. It's the greatest missionary message in the Old Testament. Now, we know, we know that we are called to take the gospel to all people. And by the way, that commission was given to the early church, but that the group of people that Jesus was speaking to were... Jews. They had a church, they started that church in Israel or Jerusalem specifically. But God said for them to take the message to the uttermost part of the world, and you and I should rejoice in that because we are the uttermost. And um, Jonah was already serving God. He was a prophet to the nation of Israel. And uh, this new commission came to Jonah. And uh, God told Jonah um, to take the gospel, to take the message to Nineveh uh, of repentance. The Bible says that God told him to arise, verse number 2. And he says, go to Nineveh. The great commission essentially is arise, and go. Do you know Matthew 28? The Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And so he says to Jonah, Arise and go to Nineveh. Uh, this week I spoke at the Milwaukee area businessmen's breakfast, and my text was, you might guess, what it is, Acts 8 8, it wasn't in Jonah, but Acts 8 8, our theme for this year, and uh, to bring joy to our city. And God has given us the great commission to bring the joy of salvation to the ends of the earth. And looking at the Great Commission, if you see in Acts 1 8, you can turn there if you like, but you can look at that verse. The Bible says that they were supposed to go to Jerusalem, then they were to go to Judea and Samaria, and then they were to go to the uttermost part of the world. But chronologically, before the uttermost part of the world, Jesus had commissioned us or them, the disciples, the apostles, to go first to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Looking at the Great Commission, we see that Judea and Samaria come before the uttermost parts of the world. And before we become cross country missionaries, before we go to be international missionaries, we need to be cross cultural missionaries. We need to be willing to go along, uh, to go to people that are not like us, that are maybe not even that far from us. But so many people are willing to give thousands and thousands of dollars to send missionaries around the world. People are willing to even go around the world. But they won't go to their next door neighbor sometimes. They won't even go across the tracks. They won't go to that side of town. And uh, here we see Jonah was called... Uh, to go to a people that, yes, it was outside of uh, where he was originally from. It was different uh, as far as regionally, but it was different culturally. And in fact, this was just like uh, a Jew going to the Samaritans in a way. This was a Jew going to the uh, Syrians, the Ninevites. These people were wicked, wicked heathens. Uh, They were wicked people who had persecuted uh, the Jews, And had been God's enemies. And God's new commission to Jonah was clear. It was unmistakable. He was to go to Nineveh to warn them of a judgment. Uh, And if they didn't turn from their wicked ways, God was going to deal with them. Nineveh was a great city. Uh, It was a great city in size. And as somebody said, it was a great city in antiquity and iniquity. It was a great city that had a lot of great problems. You'll see that the greatest cities of our world have some of the greatest problems. Here in our great city of Milwaukee, we have some great problems, don't we? Our murder situation is a great problem, isn't it? I I stopped checking it about a month ago. I was becoming depressed. And I don't know what it is. But I know it was over 160, last time I checked, in a year, in nine months, 160 murders. We have never, we never had touched that before, you know? Last year we had 200, but before that, we weren't getting anywhere near that. What is going on in our world what is going on in our cities? Well, great cities have great problems. And so God called Jonah to go to this great city of Nineveh. In verse 3, uh, or verse 2, he says, Arise and go to that great city. And he says, very specifically, what's the next word? And uh, verse 2, and cry against it. Cry, what does that mean? To cry for them? So many people want us to, oh, the problems are so bad. Let's cry about this. Let's just cry out out to God. And uh, that he would send somebody, yes, but maybe that somebody is you. Maybe you're the one that is told to cry against the sin problem. We have been told to go with the gospel. And we are to go and lift up our voice and to speak the truth wherever we are. So many people want someone else to do the job that God has called you to do. But he calls Jonah. He says, rise up and go and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me. May we see the sin of our world the way that God sees it. May we see the sin of our own lives the way that God sees it. Exceedingly sinful So much of this world that we we see people just trying to mask the problem. Don't look at it. You know, so many people want to bury the statistics. They don't want to show you what's really going on. You'd go to a communist country, and uh, many times they they paint a, a picture of a grand country. Everything is perfect high literacy, uh, perfect uh, medical situation. You know, we've got the best medicine, the best schools and all this, but those are statistics that are produced because they don't want to tell you the real problem that communism doesn't work. In our country, we've got all kinds of problems that are buried and covered up, and they don't want to tell you the truth. Why? Because it's embarrassing. Uh, the, The problems are overwhelming and embarrassing, and many times even in our own churches, in our own lives, in our families, we want to cover up the problem. We don't want people to see it. Why? Because we're embarrassed. But God sees the problem, and God wants us to look at the problem. And so many times we just rather turn a blind eye to problems because we don't want to go through the agony of dealing with our sin. And so he says to Jonah, go and cry because their wickedness has come up before me. But verse number three, but unfortunately, Jonah doesn't do that. But Jonah, look at it if you would, he rose up. Well, he's obeying God. God said to arise. He rose up. But what does the next part say there? He rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. We see that phrase again at the end of the verse. And he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and he went down into it to go. So we see that he rose up and he went, but he rose up and went the wrong place, Right? He uh, paid them, so he went down into the ship to go with them unto Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. How in the world... Is he going to flee from the presence of the Lord? Well, we know that he can't flee from the view of the Lord, but he's fleeing from fellowship with God. And sometimes we we get out of fellowship with the Lord and we think that somehow God does not Uh, see what we're doing. He doesn't care about what we're doing. But my friend, if God has called you and I to do something, and we choose to not do it, we are not going to be left alone by God. We see that Jonah runs from God, and there's usually two basic reasons that we might run from God's presence. Either like Adam and Eve, we are We are fleeing from God's presence. We're we're trying to get away from God because of something we have done, some sin that we've committed, and we're we are guilty of that sin, and we are fleeing from God's presence because we don't want to uh, deal with that. You know, we and Adam and Eve's case, they didn't know what to do. They were overcome. And uh, they did something wrong. The second reason that many people run from God's presence is because we don't want to do something right. Either we've done something wrong, or we don't want to do something right. And that's what Jonah, Jonah... didn't get in trouble because he did something right, because he went where God wanted him to go. He got in trouble because he didn't go where God wanted him to go. And so God said to Jonah, He says to go, but Jonah didn't want to go. And my friend, it's an unwise thing to say no to God. I could not find the quote, but I believe it was Adrian Rogers who said, and I I had to reword this because I I really want to make sure I'm, I'm quoting this correctly. But spiritually, he said, spiritually we stop growing when we stop saying yes to God. You might be here this morning saying, why in the world am I having so many problems? I used, to be, I used to be so close to the Lord. I used to have such a desire for the Word. I used to have a desire to serve the Lord. I used to have a desire to come to church. I used to have all of these things, and then somehow it all just turned off. And for whatever the reason is, and we're going to maybe unpack that a little bit more, but I would say the point of all of it, the reason that you're not maybe hearing from the Lord is because you need to get closer to the Lord. And you might not have done anything wrong, but it still applies. God says, come a little bit closer. I want to have fellowship with you. And so many times we want to just give God an offering. We want to just say, God, here's something. Leave me alone. But God says, I've called you to do something, but more important than that even, I want to be in fellowship with you. And if you're close to the Lord, guess what? You're going to do the Lord's will. Those that are not close to the Lord many times are not doing God's will. But you show me somebody that is in fellowship with God and is submitted and surrendered, they are doing God's will. So if you want to know God's will, get close to the Lord. Don't run from his presence. But Adrian Rogers, I believe he says, spiritually we stop growing when we stop saying yes to Jesus. You go back to the last time you said yes, no to God, or the first time you said no to God, or whatever, the last time you said yes to Jesus, you go back to the last time you said yes, and you will find where you stopped growing. We, many times, if you watch, you look at Christian growth, you see people's lives, they get saved, discipled, they start growing. And at some point, we hit that wall. We begin to plateau. We get comfortable. But we, somewhere right there where we plateaued, we stop saying yes to Jesus. And we began to say, no, I've gone far enough. Call somebody else. Have somebody else do that job. I can't do that job. Don't say I can't to God. God is the God of impossibility. God is the God of miracles. And God can take the ill-equipped and the, the one that is not equipped, and he can equip them for ministry, and he can produce something great through their life because it's not about us. It's about God getting the glory, and he loves to do something great with something that is not great. He takes the insignificant, and he does something mighty with it but we somehow begin to turn and we limit what God will do or could do or wants to do through us. And so God is calling him and he says no. My question to, to you today is how many times have you said, how many times have we said no to Jesus? You know, I said, Pastor, I've never said no to God Well, you don't have to say the words. You don't have to verbalize it to be doing it. Many times we say things like, I don't have that much faith. We like to spiritualize it, right? We like to have this pseudo-humility. Fake humility, right? Boy, that would have to take somebody of greater faith than I. But you know it only takes a little amount of faith... And really, all it is is surrendering. Because God is the one that has to do it. God is the one that empowers us to do anything. All you have to do is say yes. So it's not about not having enough faith. And I understand, you know, we could probably uh, say more about that on another sermon. That's a whole other sermon in and of itself. But I understand everything requires faith. But the fact that you're saying, I don't have enough faith, that's not God's problem. That's our problem. We like to spiritualize it. I I don't have enough faith. Well, that's saying no to God. That's saying God can't. When the reality is, you won't. It's not that God can't, you won't. I won't. By the way, I'm preaching at myself today, though, okay? Just so you know, I'm preaching at myself. So, You just observe what's going on up here i'm preaching it myself and and uh you know people say how pastor how on earth did you know what i was going through are you spying on me how did you know but you say uh well pastor i would have gone to nineveh i wouldn't have run from god Do you love Jesus? Oh, yes, I love Jesus. Now, my friend, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Well, the Lord is my shepherd. Is the shepherd your Lord? Does he have all of us? Can you, with a clear conscience before the Lord, say that I am completely surrendered to God and his will? Will? Many times we make a God in our own image. A God who doesn't require of us what we don't want to give to him. You say, I can't do that, pastor. God is going to send me to the dirtiest city in the world. I don't want to surrender to him. He can send me to India. I looked it up. I said, what is the dirtiest city in the world? world? Delhi, India. And there's actually several cities that are vying for that top spot, by the way. We live in a very clean city compared to some of the places in this world. I don't want to go there, Pastor. If I surrender to God, He might make me do that. But I already told you last week, don't tell God no. Don't tell Him what you're not going to do because He might just make you do that to break our will. He wants to know that you're completely surrendered to Him. He wants that fellowship with you. He doesn't want an offering. He doesn't want to be appeased. He doesn't need tribute sometimes we think we're going we're to buy God off. We're going to keep him from bothering us. And so we're going to give more in the offering so that he'll be appeased. Not, that's not the way God works. And I say, oh, Pastor, I can't do what God wants me to do. God's going to send me to a tribe of cannibals. By the way, what is a cannibal's favorite food? Baked beans. You might get that later. It's dangerous to listen to God. You might say, God could call me to Papua New Guinea, to some tribe of uh, natives who would have me for dinner. And it's not the kind of dinner that you're invited to. It is the kind of dinner that you're the guest of honor, you know. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be the guest of honor at that dinner. I don't want to have a a lend a hand in that meal, you know. I I wouldn't want to be, uh, go to some cannibalistic tribe in Africa or South America or some island. Because if I did that, if I did what God wanted me to do, and I go to a cannibal uh, uh, tribe, I might get into hot water. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get in trouble like that. And you might say... Uh, there's so many places that God could send me, and I don't want to go. May I submit to you this morning, the safest place that you and I could be, the safest place that we could be is completely in the center of God's will. To be absolutely surrendered to what He wants. Forgive me for my cannibal jokes. I tried to put that together. But are you 100% surrendered? Are you in the middle of the will of God? You may say, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, are you surrendered to what he's told you? That's God's will. Sometimes we think, well, somehow God's going to send me an email, and he's going to lay out exactly point by point. uh, You know, it's going to be completely outlined, bullet points, This is my will for you. But God doesn't have to send us an email. He sent us his Holy Spirit and his word, and he's told us exactly what he wants us to do. We're just looking for something better because we don't want to do what he's told us. So the second that you start saying yes to God, you begin to grow, and you begin to take, uh, take things so that God takes you to another level and keeps growing you and growing you and growing you. And then there might come a point again where you're like, ah, I don't want to do that, and God has to take us back to the woodshed and deal with us. But my friend, if we would just be surrendered to the Lord and break our stubborn will, give everything to the Lord, then... There's no telling what could happen in this world. We complain about the problems, and we many times say, well, we need to go vote. That's what, that's what will solve the problem. We need to vote. And I will say that's part of being salt and light in the world, is that we need to take the opportunities that God has given to us to vote and to vote in Christians if we can. You might be saying, well, there's nobody running that's a Christian. Or there may be a Christian in name only. Vote for the lesser of two evils, I guess. But that's not ultimately going to solve the problems of this world. Because where's the Great Commission in voting? There's salt and light, yes. And, and there's a need to get the gospel out. And sometimes that can be done by getting Christian leaders in, the, in office. But the work needs to be done through the churches. That's God's plan for this age. The Great Commission. Establishing churches in every community on every street, if possible, a place where we can worship God, but then learn and grow and be equipped to go and preach the word. If you're not preaching the word, if you're not a soul winner, then you're not right with the Lord. I didn't get any amens on that one, but I wasn't expecting any. So, uh, But I think that we need to really seriously think about what we are doing to further the gospel message in the place that God has called us. Are you doing all that you can? Are you really surrendered? So many many Christians are too comfortable. They're comfortable. And God many times gets us to be uncomfortable. The early church in Jerusalem, the first seven chapters of Acts, guess what? Jerusalem, yeah, okay, comfortable, comfortable. This is where we are. This is our culture. These are our people. But God said to go into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, and God has to bring persecution at times to get us out of our comfort zone so that we'll go like like Philip did and go down to Samaria and preach the gospel unto them and to go into uh, the, the, the places that, you know, maybe we don't want to be, but... You have been given that call. Are you 100% uh, surrendered? Lock, stock, and barrel. Good old gun analogy. God, you can have the stock and you can have the barrel, but I'll hold on to the lock. I'll keep the lock. By the way, what good is the stock and the barrel without the firing mechanism? Hmm? If I had a shotgun in my hands, which I almost brought one today, but I thought that probably wouldn't be a good idea. But the firing pin, if that firing pin is removed from the shotgun, it still looks like a shotgun. It still is a shotgun, really, for all intents and purposes. But if the firing pin is removed, it would be powerless and mostly useless as a shotgun, right? Right? It might make a nice decoration, I guess, but it might be a good conversation piece. It might be something we might say, Ooh, wow, what is that? And we'd, we, I'm sure some of the men and some of you ladies probably have a, a great conversation about it. There'd be all kinds of conversation. The pastor brought a shotgun to the church, I'm sure. But 2 Timothy 3 5, Paul says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. It's a mere external show of religion. There's a lot of locks without the stocks and barrels, or there's a lot of stock and barrel without any locks. There's a lot of churches that look like they're good. My, those are, that's a good family. That's a good man. Uh, he's, a, you know, he's leading as a deacon or an usher. Uh, she's a Sunday school teacher. They work on the bus, or whatever it is. And we have to look down... But we're missing the power of God in our lives because somewhere we stop surrendering to the Lord. Somewhere along the line we stop saying yes to Jesus and we start saying yes to to myself, you know? Yes, I will do that because that looks fun. And I might have to miss church, and I might have to miss fellowship, and I might have to, you know, cut back on some Bible reading. I might have to cut back on missions giving, or I might have to cut back on this, that, and the other. But you know what? I've done enough. Why can't some other people start doing more in the church? God, get after them. They're like Jonah. They're running away from Nineveh. You know, I'm at least in church, God. God. Yeah, you know, we, we have the look down, but many times we're missing the firing mechanism. We're missing the, the, the thing that makes us useful. We have a form of godliness, but we deny the power. We have a lot of stock and barrel Christians, but very few have given God the lock. Are you willing if he calls you? That's the question. You don't have to be old for God to call you. You don't have to be young for God to call you. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be dumb. You don't, He would say, I think you'd have to be pretty dumb to listen to God if he sends you to Nineveh. You know, I wish that Jonah had gotten it a little quicker, but I wish all of us would get it a little quicker, right? You don't have to be talented. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to have a perfect pedigree. You just have to be willing. You just have to say yes to God. Give him the lock, give him all of you. God came looking for John. He didn't give up on him. God knew where he was all along. God knows where you're at. You're saying, well, God's like a meanie. He's a big meanie up in heaven. He's going to come and beat me up because I'm not doing what he wants me to do. Surrender to the Lord, give it all to him. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to end up in a whale's belly. Sometimes we think that if we don't make a big scene, then God will forget about us. I'm just going to quietly sneak over here and do something for the Lord. I know it's not what he really wants me to do. I know that the Holy Spirit told me to do more And I know that I'm disobeying in a few areas, but I'm mostly doing what God wants me to do. But God doesn't want mostly. He wants it all. He wants everything. And if we would really understand what Jesus has done for us, we would have no problem giving giving it all to him. It all belongs to him anyways. He owns our body and our spirit. They belong to God. Sometimes we think, well, you know, but it doesn't say the soul. So, you know, you know, there's some gray area there, right? You know, people that are surrendered to God don't, don't, uh, you know, look for loopholes. They don't. The Christians that I know that are really just serving the Lord... And they're not maybe making a big splash. I mean, maybe God put them in a, you know, a, a mission field or maybe put them uh, in a school or something. And they're just serving the Lord wherever they're at. You know, in a local church. By the way, if you're not a member of a local church and submitted to pastoral authority, then you're not really submit, surrendered to the Lord, Okay. So many people say, well, I'm, I'm over here. I don't go to church. We just kind of watched uh, Joel Osteen on TV and stuff. But we give to, you know, the, uh, you know, this mission fund, and we give to that thing. Surrender to everything, okay? Be a part of it. Be under the authority of a local church. That is God's plan for this age. Sorry, that was a free little extra sermon for you today. We'll take another offering so you can, you know, pay for that one too, okay? So... Um, But wherever it is that God puts you, serve him. And I see people leaving. I scared some off. So now I'm sure they're taking a phone call. Um, Wherever it is that God has you, just say, Lord, here am I, send me. If God has called you, don't try to appease the calling with an offering. God wants us, not our offering. He wants us. He wants what belongs to him. Say, here am I, Lord, send me. Do you remember Isaiah saying that somewhere in the Bible. Here am I, Lord, send me. Jonah had to learn the hard way. Verse number 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. And we've read, we've actually gone through the whole chapter, but let's go to verse 17 now, just to recap. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We'll get into chapter 2, possibly next week. We see that Jonah praised the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And we see this prayer here. But you go to verse 10. The Lord spake unto the fish... You know, even the wind and the seas obey him. All the creatures of the world obey God. What's wrong with us? (laughs) And the fish probably said, thank you, God. (laughs) And the Bible says that the fish vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And I love that verse 1 of chapter 3 shows us that God is the God of second chances. I don't, you know, let's, let's be careful that we're not abusing God's grace, okay? Read Romans chapter 6 sometime. But verse, verse 1, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. God could have picked any of the other people. He could have gone to Hosea and said, guess what? My buddy Jonah over here, he is wicked. And uh, you, know, I had to th- I, you had to deal with him. But why don't you go over to Nineveh and I know you'll obey me. No, he said, Jonah. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, he probably said, yeah, I know, I know. Arise, go to Nineveh, speak, cry against them. And that's what he says. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went down to No. And so Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Amen. Hey, the Lord will hear us and help us when we pray to Him. When we face critical situations, when we get into a place where we're in a bind, there's times that God allows us to get into a bind. Not necessarily even because of our sin, but because of someone else's sin, okay? And we might be tempted to say, God, why are you doing this to me? God, it's not my fault. God, don't be unfair to me. I've been serving you. I've been, I've, been, I've been faithful. God says, I just want to test your faith just a little bit more because I've got bigger things for you. I want you to do more for me. And the Lord hears our prayers. And even when we've done wrong, God hears our prayers. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. Wow. Wow. Clean us up. Jonah needed some cleaning up, I'm sure, after three days and three nights in the whale's whale's belly, right? And man, so, uh, you know, he will cleanse us of our sins. He'll forgive us of our sins. He is faithful and just to do that. Uh, But we have to first truly repent of our sins and call upon his name. We have to say, Jesus, I've done wrong. Forgive me. The Lord doesn't accept those who live in sin. It doesn't matter if you're a prophet, if you're a pastor, if you're a believer or an unbeliever, if you're a Sunday school teacher. God says, repent. If we continue in sin, we're rejecting the Lord. We're disobeying his holy word. And we will be rejected by the Lord. So we have to repent. Matthew 3, 2. Jesus said, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at Hand. Luke 13:3, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish." Acts 3:19, "Repent ye therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord." 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Psalm 34.18, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 51.17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. And a broken and a contrite heart, O oh God, thou wilt not despise. Isaiah 55, 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him, that return, and let him return to the Lord. That's repentance, returning to God, coming back to him, turning from our sin, turning to God. They're saying, well, that's teaching works. You can't, be, you can't be saved by works. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, the same man should boast. That is absolutely true, my friend. Repentance is a change of heart that leads to a changed life. Amen. To be saved, we need to come to God, admitting that we are in need of saving, amen. Some people say, well, we just need to tell people uh, that, you know, if, do you want to go to heaven or hell? If they say heaven, then we lead them in a prayer, and then they're saved. It's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that we need to acknowledge our sin. As we always say, you have to get lost before you can be saved. Why do you need to be saved if you're not lost? Those that are whole need not a physician. Does that mean that the Pharisees were actually saved? They didn't need a physician? No, they just didn't think they needed a doctor. They didn't need Dr. Jesus coming and saving them because they were justified by the law that they were keeping. And uh, yet, so many people today are very religious but lost. I, I, I go to church. Surely God must have a place for me in heaven because I am so faithful to him. It's not our faithfulness to him that saves us. It's his faithfulness to us. Thank God for his son that died on the cross. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and for me. Well, that's true for those people over in prison, you know. Those people really, need, they need to be saved. No, we all, we all need Jesus. Are you saved today? Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? I think of the wonderful example that we see of new life here with Jonah. Symbolizes Christ's death and resurrection. We see that in verse 17 of chapter 1. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That symbolized the burial of Jesus Christ. We actually see the death, burial, and the vomiting out of Jonah on the dry ground, uh, on land. That's the resurrection symbolized in the Old Testament. We see this wonderful story of second chances, new life. The same is true for all of us. We have to identify with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. We understand that when Jesus died, we died. We died. Our our sin had to be paid for. And so, Jonah's three days and three nights points to the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord And it was through Jonah's three-day experience that he was given that new life and new beginning. And so it is with us as well. We, too, can receive new life. We get that second chance. Come to Jesus today. If you're not saved, turn to Christ. Turn to Jesus. Say, uh, turn to the church. No, no, no. Turn, uh, you know, wait till January 1st. and you'll get a new beginning. Well, we'll mess, we'll mess January 1st up on January 2nd. And by the way, that has no bearing on our spiritual condition. You might be able to, you know, uh, some of you, I, I've heard of stories of people that were just down in the dumps. I mean, they were on Skid Row. And somehow they found it within themselves to... Uh, develop the character and to maybe have opportunity. Somehow opportunity came to their life and they made some good choices and then they were on top again. And sometimes they maybe started a new business or they uh, developed an invention that changed the world. And somehow uh, they were, uh, you know, they had a new opportunity, but they went to hell because they never trusted Jesus as their personal savior. So you could have a perfect life in the eyes of men but be utterly lost without Christ. The Bible says, what shall profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So today it's not turning over a new leaf that's going to make any difference. It's coming to Jesus, the faithful one. And learning that new life is only in Christ. Let's pray. If you would, let's stand together, stand to your feet. As we close in a word of prayer today, I want you to pray with me. If it's if it's feasible for you, why don't you come to the altar and we'll pray together? Well, you pray with me. When I pray here, you pray. Christian, are you surrendered? Are you surrendered? doesn't matter what doesn't matter what it's am i surrendered if you're not saved if the lord has been speaking to you the holy spirit's been convicting your heart saying you're not saved you're a, a lost individual like all of us born into this world with a sin nature destined for eternal judgment in hell. But if that's you this morning, if that's you, the only solution, and praise God there is a solution, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you need to come to Jesus. If you want some counsel from the Word of God, you're inquiring this morning, we are more than happy to help you through the Bible to find uh, that relationship with God. Where your burdens are lifted, your sin is gone, it's washed away completely, no more to be remembered, no more accounted against you. And uh, you put on Jesus Christ because He died in our place on the cross. And you put on His righteousness, His righteous robe. Now you're clothed in Christ. And in the eyes of our Creator, the eyes of God, who, was, who will pour out His wrath on the sinner. But in God's eyes, when you put on the righteousness of Christ through forgiveness, through calling, just call out to Him, He sees us as perfect. He sees His Son perfect. But we want to counsel you from the Word of God, and this is a decision you have to make. This is not supposed to be some, something you tack on. This really is forsaking all, I trust Him, faith. This is you putting your faith in Jesus and forever knowing that your sins are washed away. So if that's you today, you come and we'll talk to you. We'll have somebody privately counsel you from the Bible. And uh, let's get this settled. The devil's whispering in your ear, Oh, wait till next week, wait till next week. You do not have tomorrow, you don't have the rest of this day. You have this this moment to be saved. And so let's get that settled once and for all. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It only matters what God thinks.